kids in here today. Uh, how many of you are already experiencing the, the post-Christmas blues? There's actually a term for it. They even call it post-Christmas syndrome. Did you know that? Uh, there actually is terms for that. How many of you are experiencing it? Or you're just in a food coma still? Uh, yeah. So I want to welcome you to our online service. I mean, our service today. Um, most likely more online today. Uh, but there's a lot of you guys are diehards. You guys made it out. I wasn't sure what to expect day after Christmas. And then with all the, the, the snow and the wind and, and everything. And so you guys are diehards. And thank you for being here. Uh, we're going to look at the story of the wise men this morning. Um, and uh, kind of look at it a little bit different perspective. Uh, so we'll go to Matthew chapter 2. And uh, we'll kind of jump right in into this passage and uh, look at a very familiar story about the wise men. Uh, for some of you, this, there may be some things that maybe you have not considered before um, about these wise men. And, uh, and how a lot of times when we go and we see the nativity, you always see the wise men showing up to the manger. Um, spoiler alert, they probably, well, they didn't show up to the manger, okay? Uh, and so I want to just look at a couple of things that a lot of times are just traditions, just things that are traditional things that we often maybe just believe because it's something that was tradition. But I think there's some really cool things in the story of the visit of the Magi or the visit of the wise men. So let's look at Matthew 2, 1 through 18. It says this, and after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. Magi, or wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and has come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Notice this. This is important. We'll talk about it in a little bit. And all Jerusalem with him. So when these people show up, it gets the attention of a large city in that day. The whole city of Jerusalem they, they're, they're disturbed, okay? We'll talk about that. And when he had called together all the people, people's chief priests and the teachers of law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Remember Micah 5.2. Micah prophesied he'd be born in Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of, of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Liar, liar, pants on fire. All right? Herod, he was not a good guy. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to, can you say the next word with me? The house. Did you catch that? When coming to the house, they saw the child... Not an infant, not a, not a little baby, but they saw the child was, was with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented uh, the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another, by another route. When they had, had gone, an angel Lord appeared to Joseph. Listen to this. God gives Joseph a dream. And in this dream, he says, get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And so he got up. Notice the obedience of Joseph. So he got up and took the child and his mother. Notice this phrase, during the night. During the night and left for Egypt. This is obedience. When do you typically dream, right? When you go to bed at night. So Joseph has this dream in the middle of the night. He wakes up from the dream and immediately he packs up and they leave to go to Egypt. Okay? It says, where he stayed until the death of Herod and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my son. But when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by that magi, by the wise men, he was furious. And he gave orders, how sad this is, to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity who were two years old. Notice this age here. Who were two years old and under in accordance with the time that he had learned from the magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. How many of you are somewhat familiar with the story of the wise men, even the kids that are with us, the story of the wise men who came to worship? We often think baby Jesus, but came to worship Jesus. Um, there's a, I think there's a lot of really important things here, significant things, but I want to just... Uh, touch on for a few moments, but let's ask God to bless his word. Let's pray. Lord, we pray you would bless your word this morning. Thank you for safety, for bringing each one here uh, safely. We pray for those that are with us today. We pray for those who are watching online and for those that are traveling, uh, obviously over this holiday weekend. Please give uh, protection. Watch over each one. We pray that you'd bless your word as we study a very familiar story of the wise men. Lord, I pray that we would see that some things are just not in the Bible and some things that we've always thought and believed just based on tradition. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would realize that we could see the Bible in a fresh way today uh, and see that the, how awesome the Bible is too and how, how you work in our lives and how you are always in control and how you are watching out for, for baby Jesus and, and Jesus and Mary and Joseph and how you watch out for us as well. So bless this time in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're pretty familiar with this story of the wise men. Let me just say this, that there are a number of things that are just tradition. And a lot of times it just kind of get passed down. We just assume that these things are real. For example, um, how many of you have heard or believed many times that there were just three wise men? How many of you kind of, that's kind of the, the thing? If you look for pictures, it's just three wise men. Let me say this. The Bible doesn't say that there were three wise men. What it does say is that there were three gifts. And so a lot of times people assume because there's three gifts that there were just three wise men. But that was probably not the case. Let's think about this for a moment. One, we're going to talk about where they came from, but they traveled a long ways. Okay? It's not very safe for three guys to be carrying a a chest of gold. Okay? Very valuable frankincense and myrrh. Okay, and then when it says they showed up to Jerusalem, it says that the whole city that they were disturbed, the whole city was in uproar when these 
if, if you think about like this, they would be considered almost like kings. You know, these they show up to the city. Now, how many of you have ever seen the, the newer or ever seen Aladdin? How many of you have ever seen that, right? And remember when he wants to come in and kind of present himself, you know, as this, this prince? Isn't it Prince Ali? Kids, you got, yes, thank you, kids, help me. So when you have Prince Ali, remember when he shows up? You know, he just didn't come in alone, right? He had, he had this entourage. He had all this music. And, and when they showed up, man, it was huge. It was a party. Can I tell you something? That was what it was like when some referred to them as priests, as these wise men, as these magi. They were diplomats. They were people who, who worked for kings. Okay, and they showed up. They didn't just, there wasn't just three of them on three camels. Listen, they had a huge caravan. It's, some have said, some theologians say upwards of a, a caravan of 300 plus people show up to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem says, okay, what is going on? So much so that the king, King Herod, he is becoming jealous and he's worried because he says, okay, wait, if people from over a thousand miles away are coming and they're going to come to worship, this must be something very serious. Are you with me? So let me just say, traditionally, we often think that there were just three wise men. Okay, but most likely there was a large number, a large group, a huge caravan that shows up. Okay, uh, oftentimes we believe or it's kind of, you know, it, it looks good is they show up to the nativity. But according to the word of God, they did not show up to the nativity. In fact, he had already been born. And when they inquire and they begin to really search into the matter, King Herod realizes that Jesus was at least possibly anywhere from one to two years of age. Okay, so Jesus is not a baby. It says that they show up to a what house in Bethlehem and they refer to baby Jesus, not as a baby, but as a child. It's a toddler. And so, again, tradition has it that the wise men show up to what we know as the nativity, that they show up out there in the fields, you know, and so they show up there. And, and, and can I tell you something? That's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that they came to a house, they diligently inquired, they did their research, they did their study, and what they found out was this, is that Jesus was older, anywhere from probably between one and two years of age. So Jesus was really more of a toddler. He could have been at, who knows, he may have been walking. He may have been saying mama and dada. I know one word Jesus already probably knew by then, no. Okay, but Jesus was perfect, so maybe that wasn't his first word. (laughs) That's right. Sometimes you do have to say no. But I don't know about you, but the first words my kids would learn to say is no. Right. No, you know, or give me mine. That was the other one. Mine, mine, you know, put a couple kids in the nursery and just watch it. Mine, you know. But we understand, we don't, we don't think about it like this, but Jesus was, was not this baby in the nativity. Now, let me say this. I'm not saying that every time now you're, you know, you go to like a living nativity that you go and tackle the wise men and say, you weren't really there. Liars, liars, you know, heretics. That's not what I'm saying, okay? You know, enjoy the Christmas moment. But what I'm trying to emphasize is a lot of times we just 
have tradition or it's just kind of what we saw on a flannel graph or what we saw in a little story. And we just kind of say, well, this is the way it was, but that's not the way it was. So let's talk a little bit about these wise men. Just a few quick thoughts. Number one, uh, who were the wise men? Now, don't take this wrong. You'll, you'll see what I mean in a moment. Who were the wise men? Were the wise, they were wise men, not women. Okay? And here's the reason why. Because if they, were, if they were women, they would have been on time. All right? Because they would have asked directions to get there. They would have been on time. Not only would they have been on time. Listen to me. They would have cleaned the nativity from top to bottom. If, it were, if they were wise women, right? They would have had it disinfected and cleaned. On top of that, they would have brought a casserole and they would have helped deliver baby Jesus. Are you with me? But instead, they were men and they did not ask for directions until they got to Jerusalem. And, they, and then when they did, they asked the wrong guy for help, you know? But they, they were wise men, the Bible says, magi. What do we know about these magi? And where were they from? And I think there's something significant to this. The Bible tells us they were from the East. Most people believe, when you think about the story in the Scripture, you compare Scripture, you have Daniel, remember when he was taken into captivity into Babylon, which Babylon later became Persia. These wise men were men who were men of wisdom and discernment, people that kings would go to for for counsel and advice. Do you remember who was one of the wisest men in the book of Daniel? It was Daniel. But remember, there were other wise men. And so these wise men were probably, again, follow me, descendants of those wise men that rubbed shoulders with Daniel. And so they came from what was once Babylon, but then became Persia, the Persian Empire. And if you know a little bit about that area, basically that's modern day Iran in that area. Now... That then leads us to the fact that the reason why Jesus was much older is because when Jesus was born and when the star appeared, that is when they saw the star and they began to follow that star. And many people believe, and I do believe this to be true, that Daniel, who was a wise man, Daniel, who was in Babylon, he, we see in the book of Daniel, he prophesies of the coming of the Lord and he prophesies. And so these men were given a little bit of light. They were given a little bit of instruction. They were told that there's going to be coming a king, okay, the king of kings. And they were told these things. And so they were waiting and waiting. And as these wise men were waiting and they saw the star, they knew that that that, that must be the star. And so they followed that star. So these were wise men from the east. They're from Persia, from Iran. You're looking at, most people say, at least a thousand mile journey. That's a long way to go. A thousand miles. Some say could have been upwards of 1,200 miles. Now you see why it took so long for the wise men to get there. This journey was, depending on the time of year, depending on which route they took, could have taken upwards of a year for them to make this journey. And so these wise men, these magi, they came from, from Persia, from what we know as Iran, taking what little bit of light that they had, what little bit of knowledge that they had to come and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, how sad this is. Don't miss this. How sad this is that all the priests and all the religious leaders, when, when the wise men came with the little bit of knowledge that they had, 
And they began to ask questions. They said, who, who is this and where will he be born? And they went and they said, oh, that's easy. They knew what the prophet said. Are you with me? And they said he'll be born in Bethlehem. Yet they did not show up to the birth of Christ. Now, one thing I will say is people get really wrapped up into the wise men and the magi and who were they and how many and, and all of these things. And it's fun to look at it. But let me just say this. I think the most important thing that we can learn from the wise men is not necessarily where they were from and who they were, but what they did. What did these wise men do? Well, they came to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In fact, they were willing to take great sacrifice. They were willing, listen, they, they brought gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. It was costly. Can I tell you, they took risk. That is a risky journey over a thousand miles to make that journey and to make that trip, carrying very valuable gifts worth who knows how much money they, you know, and they're bringing these gifts and they're taking this, this risk to come and to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, wise men still seek him. Amen. The Bible says, seek him while he may be found. Notice a couple passages, Isaiah Look at Isaiah 55 just for a moment. Notice what the Bible says. I, I love this. This was Isaiah who prophesied of the coming of, of, of the King of Kings, the coming of the Messiah. He says, surely you will summon nations you know not. And nations you do not know will come running to you. Because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. You know what is amazing is this, is the Bible prophesied that there will be those from other nations who will come to worship the king. And we see that that is exactly what happened, that these wise men from afar, with what little bit of light and what little bit of knowledge they had, they said, we are going to seek this king and we are going to come and we are going to worship the savior. Can I tell you something? It is interesting. But I really believe this, that many a times there are those outside of the church and those who know very little who have even more appetite many times than the people who've grown up in church, who have all the knowledge, who know what the Bible teaches. And it is amazing to me. There have been times, I have to admit this, I grew up in church. I grew up in church. My father was involved in ministry and I grew up around it. You know what I realized? That there were times where people who were coming and who were new to the faith, people who didn't grow up in church, and when they came and they began to hear the truth, they were so hungry and they were so enthusiastic and so thirsty. And you want to know something? You may not get this, but it really convicted me. And I thought to myself, I have the truth. I know all about this, and I've grown up with this, and I've just kind of taken it for granted. And I thought, shame on me. I, I, I have all this knowledge and I know what the Bible says. And, and I'll be honest, it really convicted me. It started to challenge me. And I thought, I can't believe that, that I, I don't have that enthusiasm. And God began to work in my life because when I saw people, people who were, if you will, far from God, who had a, a, a hunger and a thirst for God, I thought, how much more so should I? Is this making sense today? 
We have many a times kids, I'm just going to say it, kids who grow up in church and who know all the Bible stories and know all about God, many a times they take it for granted. And what we see is this, is that when Jesus was born, there was all this prophecy and all this knowledge and they knew about it, but no one showed up. The Bible says he came unto his own and his own what? Did not receive him. They received him not. Yet we see people who are willing to make great sacrifice to come and to worship. What they did is so important. Notice what the psalmist says, Psalm 96, 8, 9. It says this. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Notice what he says. Bring an offering and come into his courts. That's what they did, isn't it? Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. What did these wise men do? They, they sought after the little light that they had. They took great risk. They brought gifts. And they came. And the Bible says that they bowed down and worshipped him. I wonder what Mary and Joseph must have thought as they're sitting there in this huge... I mean, if it, think about this. If it disturbed Jerusalem... When the caravan showed up, can you imagine what people in Beth- Bethlehem is a small town. Could you imagine what, listen to me, when the caravan showed up to Bethlehem filled with all these, these prestigious wise men and these camels. And when they show up and they have huge amounts of gold and treasure and they're bringing this and they show up to the door, you know. Can you imagine that someone knocking on the door and Mary and Joseph are like, what's going on? You know, who's here? Who is this? And, 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 and the, the whole town of Bethlehem is just in shock, okay? You know what I'm saying? It's like small town, guys. You got this? You know, it's like smaller than Cedar City, okay? We're talking like smaller than Enoch, okay? This small town, and here comes these diplomats. Here comes this huge huge caravan. Man, it is the talk of the town. And then when they come and they knock on the door and they see who Jesus is, they bow down and they worship him. The Bible says that all this stuff, Mary just kind of just ponders. Kind of overwhelming. And they worship. I see these men of renown, these men of great wisdom, Humble, humility, bowing down before a child, bowing down before a little toddler. They literally, the Bible says they bowed down and they worshiped him. How much more should we worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Amen. They worshiped him. And they brought these three gifts, gold, symbolic of royalty, gold for a king. They brought incense, frankincense or incense. That's divinity. He's God. They brought myrrh. He's mortal. Myrrh. He was born to die. They brought these gifts, valuable gifts, as an offering to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. By the way, if these men from a faraway nation we're willing to sacrifice and give to the King of Kings. Shouldn't we be willing to come into his presence with offerings? Amen. Is that what the psalmist said? When we come into his presence, we bring offerings. Do you know a lot of what we do is found in Scripture? That's why we have 
offerings. Now the offering box is in the back. And that's just a little plug. Give, you know, (laughs) as the Lord puts on your heart. But we do give because he is God. Amen. And we bring offerings when we come into his presence. And here these men traveled a great distance. And they brought their offerings. And they worshiped. Wise men still seek him. Wise men still worship him. Now let me finish with this. You got about five minutes or less? All right. What do we learn from the Christmas story? How does this apply to you and I when we think of these wise men? Two things come to my mind. Number one, the providence of God. The providence of God. The word providence, I mentioned this number of months back. Just give me a few minutes. The providence of God. The word providence, we get the word, it's where we get the word pro-video. Pro-video. Let me illustrate it like this. Have you ever sat down, I just did it this past weekend over break. Have you ever sat down and watched movies with people who've already seen the movie? Okay? So right now, there's this big movie out, okay? Isn't it Marvel or whatever? Spider-Man 3? And so I'm like so far behind on the times. I don't have a clue what's going on. And uh, I'm like Spider-Man 3. So now which one is this? And then I find out there's all these different ones and different series. And so my kids are like, Dad, we got to get you caught up. I was like, well, maybe I'll just go watch it sometime. They're like, you can't go watch it unless you've seen one and two. You have to have seen one and two before you can see three because you got to know what's going on. And so I watched most of one. I'll be honest, one just not that, not that good. I'm just being honest, you know. I was kind of falling asleep. And, and so we got, but then they're like, the second one's better. You got to watch the second one. So we got the second one. That one I was awake for. And so here's the point. I, my kids have already seen it, already watched it. We get to the end and the credits start and I'm kind of wanting to leave. And my son's like, Dad, you can't leave. You got to watch the credits. Because the, in the credits, there's couples of little secrets. There's things that you got to know before you go watch the third one. How many, okay? And I'm like, whoever watches the credits? Who watches that? And so we're sitting there waiting. And so they actually cheated and they skipped ahead. Because they knew exactly what it was going to be. And bam, all of a sudden, there was like a little hint, a little clue. Okay? And they're like, there's still another one. There's still more. And so they skip ahead a little more. Bam, there was another little clue. Another hint. Like, that's what you need to know in order to watch the third one, which they've already seen. So how many of you ever watched a movie with someone who's already seen the movie? And don't you love it when they they just ruin it for you? You know what I mean? They're like, this is a great movie. Oh, well. Well, he dies right near the end. You're just like, oh, why am I watching this? The providence of God. Please don't miss this. God is, we say the providence of God. What does it mean? It means this, that God, he sees the beginning from the end. And that God knows all things and that God is in control. And this is what is beautiful to me. Is this in advance, God being who he is, he knew, he knew that King Herod would try to kill the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so in that Knowing that, he sends a group of wise men to bring gifts to Mary and Joseph. 
Man, this who I get goosebumps here because God knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end. And so God knew that Mary and Joseph, that they were going to have to flee in the middle of night. They were going to be refugees. They were going to have to literally have the clothes on their back and take this precious child, the king of kings and lord of lords, and run into a foreign land, Egypt. A land that they do not know the language, they do not really know the culture, and a place where they will be refugees. And understand this, that many times as refugees, it is difficult to find work, it's difficult to find labor. It's even like that in many countries. I have had the privilege to go on numerous missions trips. Can I tell you that in many countries, refugees, it is illegal for them to have a job because they say you're taking jobs away from our local economy. And it is illegal for a refugee in many countries to have a job. So how do you provide? Well, it's a good question. God sent gold, frankincense, and myrrh so that Jesus and Mary and Joseph could live comfortably for the years that they needed to live in Egypt. God was already providing for them. More than a year ahead of time, God knowing the day that Jesus was going to have to be taken as a refugee and to flee, God said, you know what? I'm going to send these guys on a mission. And this mission is to bring gold, frankincense, and Yes, it's to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But can I tell you something? With God, it's always a lot bigger and a lot deeper. And there's always a lot more to the story. Are you with me? How would Mary and Joseph afford to live and to travel and to live in Egypt for the years that they needed to live there if they did not have the finances? Remember, Mary and Joseph were poor. Joseph was a carpenter. When they brought Jesus, if you study this, when they brought Jesus to the temple and when they brought him, they offer up sacrifices. Do you know that the Bible says that they use two uh, turtle doves? If you were to study the Old Testament, what you'll find is this, that most people, people who had wealth and means, they would offer up a lamb or some other sacrifice. But God said for those who are in poverty, for those who are poor and who cannot afford anything else, then you can offer up a pigeon, if you will, a turtle dove. It was a poor man's sacrifice. Mary and Joseph were living in poverty. Joseph was a carpenter, just living from paycheck to paycheck, from job to job. And he's now going to have to pack up in the middle of the night to go to Egypt. And how is he going to provide for his family? Well, here's the point, the providence of God. God knew in advance what Mary and Joseph were going to need. And over a year prior, he sent these men, this group of men on a mission. Yes, to come and worship Jesus. But it was much more than that. It was that God was already providing what Mary and Joseph needed in advance. Amen. We see the providence of God when we see the provision of God. God providing. When I think of this Christmas story, when I think of the wise men, these two things come to my mind. The providence of God and the provision of God. God providing in advance for Mary and Joseph. And yes, Jesus. Hard for us to believe. But Jesus as a baby. Jesus as a toddler. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, Emmanuel, God with us. Yet we know that he was mortal. We know that that he was at the mercy of his surroundings. And so God was providing 
everything that Mary and Joseph and, yes, even Jesus needed. God's provision. And when I think of the Christmas story, I also see this. God's provision for you and I. Amen? That God was providing a Savior. One who will take away the sins of the world. Amen? The Christmas story is all about God's provision. Yes, he provided for Mary and Joseph and the family, but he was also providing for you and I that we could have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Would you stand with me this morning? And let me just say this. God knows you. He knows all about you.